When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. How does Boogie look on the floor for the Warriors? Will CP3 disrupt the Rockets when he returns? What does the MVP race look like? The only question left is, say it with me, you win. Hey, sports fans, Coach Nick here, and welcome to the B-Ball Breakdown podcast slash live show. And with me is Dave Dufour, a reunion of sorts. And glad to have him back. Glad to have you guys here on a nice midday on a Monday, Martin Luther King, uh, uh, Martin Luther King Day. Uh, Dave, how are you doing so far today? I'm fantastic. Got some errands done this morning. I've uh, been sitting around, watched some of the Cavs and Bulls because I hate myself. Yes. And did you like yourself any more afterwards? No, I just turned it off. Uh, I couldn't do it. Couldn't do it. It's too much. You're a brave man. Well, yeah. I'm I'm on day three of a juice cleanse, so I might talk in gibberish, uh, but we'll see how that goes. And and you're going going live. Yeah, I feel good. Actually, you're brave. I I, I want to like you know throw it out there that there's some obviously there's benefits to it, but you know I, I don't feel I feel I'm I'm hand, hanging in there. And I went to a, a friend's house yesterday to watch one of the games, and they were eating chips and guacamole and grilling hamburgers, and I was just sitting there you know drinking my juice, uh, and I made it through, so I'm happy. Uh, yeah, you should have eaten the guacamole and the hamburgers, though. Um, <laughs> I know. Yeah. All right, well, that's tomorrow. That's when I slowly reintroduce everything, right? I start guacamole tomorrow and then hamburgers on Thursday. So let's talk some NBA, shall we? Now, don't forget, everybody out there, uh, as this is a live show, we will answer your questions if you ask them on Periscope or even on Twitter. We have some Twitter questions already uh, queued up. So start getting that going on the uh, chat over that side. Give us some hearts if you like. Maybe give us a little retweet to share this out there with everybody else. And uh, let's talk. Let's start with talking about Boogie because I think a lot of people are curious to find out whether that, that worked or not. I did do a breakdown on it. So, what are your thoughts initially on his return to the Warriors? I mean, I think it definitely worked. Um, I first of all, I just want to say it was great to see him. You know, it's been a year. Boogie is one of the most fun players to watch, especially when he has the ball in his hands. And uh, you know, when a guy comes back from an injury like that, he it was about the best case scenario. He looked great running the floor possibly as good as he's ever looked running the floor. Like he was running hard. You could see he's not in game shape yet, but he actually, his body looks so much better. He's, he's clearly lost some weight. Let's hope he can keep it off. And then when he gets into game shape, I mean, he might be a beast. Uh, but I, I love that he fouled out of <laughs> his first game back. Like, um, you know, it, it means he was out there. He was being active and, and, and that's what you want. And for the Warriors, his passing was incredible. Uh, he was three for four from three. And if he's going to do this every game in 18 to 20 minutes, the, it's a wrap. I mean, it was a wrap anyway, but now it's even more of a wrap. It's going to be 16-0 in the playoffs. It's, uh, you know, if you think about their best squads, they have always had a traditional center who could play that 18 to 22 minutes. I mean, Bogut was so instrumental in the in the 73-win season um, and in, in the first title. And Boogie is almost as good of a passer as Bogut, but more potent of an offensive threat. So when they give him the ball mid post, high post, low post, 
He's a threat to score, not just to have guys run off those split cuts. And then when he gets the ball in the wing, I mean, we saw this a little bit, he was able to screen for Steph. And when the defense with the Steph, they can kick the ball to Boogie and he can hit Clay Thompson or KD with a post entry, or he can take the three. So he really does kind of, uh, at least in theory, complete the, the, the perfect problem for the rest of the league. Oh, I agree wholeheartedly. And I think the biggest asset they might actually get out of him is his screening. He's taken guys out on those screens and those split cuts. And then guess what? He's the one who's open when Clay comes around. They both go to him after he gets enough space because of the good screen. So that almost is like where I see him being the best of what they're going to get out of him uh, because it does open up all the other stuff as well. So I think that was a little bit of an underviewed uh, thing with him was he's doing that, especially because he is an all-star and he'll get the benefit of the doubt and he'll be able to be ultra physical on those uh, on those screens. That said, he did fall out, so he wasn't getting a lot of, uh, of the love, but he was also a little bit slow laterally, I feel like, uh, which is what he's been like his whole career. I suspect it'll get a little bit faster as he gets a little bit more in game shape. Um, but man, does he bring things also to the offensive rebounding table that they did not have. I mean, he goes hard to that hole for the for the offensive rebounds, and they can afford to do that because the other guys can just get back and let Absolutely. him do it. You know, so yep. it's it's really a, a whole new dynamic. I also think it's probably a cure for their malaise, wouldn't you say? Yeah, so the, they seem to like him. I mean, like, you know, for all the things that are out in the media about how, you know, Boogie is a malcontent and all these things, his teammates have never had a problem with it. Like, his teammates seem to like him a lot. Uh, the community likes him. I mean, he, he does a lot of really good stuff in the community. It's just that he gets mad when he's playing, right? Like, you know which a lot of people do. He plays with emotion. We, we always say we don't want these guys to be robots. Like we make fun of Kawhi Leonard for being a robot. And then when you get a guy who's clearly not a robot, we want to hammer him. And so I, I think that he might help them refine that joy that Steve Kerr is always talking about. And, and that's fun. I mean, we could see it in the, in the lead up to him coming back. And I don't know how much him coming back had to do with them kind of kicking things up a notch, but clearly they're, they're hitting that next gear that they've got. And uh, they're on a roll right now, which it's a funny time for them to do it midseason because this is normally when teams kind of hit that malaise period. But it, it seems like they're about to buzzsaw through the league for the rest of the season. And then, again, 16-0 and in the playoffs, barring injury. That's my prediction. And uh, Boogie's going to get a ring. And, and there you go. We're all going to be very happy for it. And then hopefully Boogie gets a max contract from someone this summer. Yeah, well, you know, the question here is, is it a buzzsaw? It kind of feels that way because I don't know if we expected the Western Conference to be this diverse or this uh, this much parity in reality. I think that, you know, the only question we have here is, are the Rockets going to get back to where they need to be? Certainly in the last, like, 15 games, as Harden has just detonated, they the numbers appear to be that way. But I don't think it's completely skewed because now they don't have Capella and certainly because they don't have um, CP3 right now. It's really, I don't know if we can even get a handle on what this means for the playoffs for them yeah I'm, I'm with you I, I will say that the Rockets turnaround started when when Chris Paul wasn't out there sucking um you know not to say that this was addition by subtraction but in a way it was because now they know who they are their their identity is uh this is James Harden's team we're going to climb on his back and we're going to get it done and Capella also was was instrumental in that little run they went on having the best part of his season looks like he's now in shape uh, and James Harden. It, it's stop me if you've heard this before, but being in shape actually helps you play basketball. It does. It seems important. So Clint Capella looking like he's in shape, actually 
doing really, really well on the offensive end and sort of he's like 90% of what he was on the defensive end until he got hurt. So let's hope when he comes back, he doesn't, you know, have the like basically what he did for the first two months of the season, which was not be very good. And uh, and and they can find their stride. But when Chris Paul comes back, like what Chris Paul are we expecting? Are we expecting Chris Paul from before he injured his hamstring last year in the conference finals? I'm not. First of all, hamstrings take forever to heal, as we saw when he re-aggravated the injury. But the first part of the season where he was, quote-unquote, healthy, mm-hmm. he didn't look right to me. He's either washed or that hamstring was still bothering him. So um, I don't I don't really think Chris Paul is going to help him very much. I still think they're going to need a piece or two. Uh, picking up Austin Rivers was a great move. But they need another guy who can, who can take some of the ball-handling load if Chris Paul is going to come back and he's not going to be 100%. I agree. I, I wonder, though, I mean, I kind of liked when Chris Paul was playing. I felt like they were, there were moments when he was there that they were, you know, as best as they could be. Uh, but I think you're right. The, the question now is, is can he sort of adjust his game? Because he's going to probably end up having to defer more. And that's what happens when you're out that long. The team has changed. The, 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 the whole the culture of the way they attack is different now. But, you know, there's no question he's going to, he's going to help them, right? I don't think that that's an issue. I think that he's going to... He's a he's a better player. He's a good he's a great player. When you have him on the court, he also defensively he should should help. He's also smart enough to I think under look at what's going on. Uh, but I guess we'll find out. It'll be a a real interesting question there. So should we? He wasn't he wasn't helping him when he was out there. Um, I didn't I I thought I saw some net rating stuff that said that you know when him and Harden were out there together it was positive. And am I crazy? Uh, yeah, I don't think that's I don't think that's how it was. All right, well, maybe well, next time you answer a question, I'll uh, I'll look that up. But nonetheless, <laughs> let's uh, let's go to some questions because we have some good ones here. I know that uh, we have here. Uh, Sean eyes Josh one asks, "Do you guys like Brandon Ingram?" I don't think he fits in the Lakers. Uh, what are your thoughts on Brandon Ingram, Dave? I think Brandon Ingram is I don't know like a seventh or eighth man. I, I think he's at Ooh. his best when he's playmaking for people, and it's going to be hard for him to do if he's on the Lakers. Okay, I like that. Interesting. So you think that on the Lakers, he should be he shouldn't be playmaking? I guess is the hill is in a wrong role for him. Is what you're well, saying. no, no, he should be playmaking. But I'm oh. saying on the Lakers, it's it's just not an option. They've got, got you know, like you're not going to take the ball out of LeBron James' hands, right? Right. So, but the, but it also feels like they kind of want him to be a playmaker anyway. But that's really hard to do if you haven't really done it before. I guess at least with the Kyrie issue in Cleveland, he had had a whole year or whatever of being the man and, and running the show so that when he, they needed to you know, take turns, he could do that. Um, I, I think I'm more concerned about, about Brandon Ingram's body. I just feel like the way he trains and the way his, his, the strength of his legs are, is weak and he doesn't always uh, get good balance on his drives and stuff like that. That frustrates me more than anything. Um, and, and, yeah, I think the, other idea, the idea that he hasn't quite figured out how to play alongside LeBron. That said, without LeBron out there – and, do, by the way, do we know when LeBron's supposed to come back? I mean, they, they – I don't know. They keep saying a couple weeks, but that, that was a serious groin injury. I mean, yeah. it, it was not, this is not the kind of thing where you just can walk it off, you know, unfortunately. So I, I wouldn't be shocked if he's out to the all-star break. If he's not right, it'd be dumb to bring him back because you have to think down the line. Yeah. Groin injury, just like a hamstring injury, sometimes these things take nine months to a year to recover. That's true. Uh, it's, well, it's, a terrible, so- it's a terrible thing to injure. It's yeah. an old man injury, too. Like, this is the stuff that, um, you know, kind of goes unsaid, but, like, these are these are old guy injuries, and this right. is why we see it so much with guys over thirty. You know, like Chris Middleton uh, had a hamstring issue, but 
pretty rare for a young guy to injure his hamstring severely like he did last year. Um, at least in my this is anecdotally, right? Right. Um, but yeah, it just takes forever to come back from it. Right. I, and I wasn't really impressed by the, the actual injury itself and what he did to do it. So that kind of felt like maybe it wasn't as severe. But you're right. At this stage of his career, yeah, those things, uh, you don't want to certainly don't want to rush it back. And it's if you wanted to look at how a, a team should um, handle a, guy, a star having an injury and whether he's going to come back. I think the Lakers have done a pretty good job. We haven't had these issues where maybe he'll come back tomorrow and there's all this extra pressure and they're not. It's been pretty quiet on that end, right? It feels like that's the way it should be done. I agree. Yeah. Um, I will say, you know, going back to Brandon Ingram, one of my issues is internally with the Lakers. Uh, there's no player development. This is something I've been harping on for the last few weeks. Mm-hmm. They don't have a shooting coach. You know, yeah. uh, that's a big problem. <laughs> Uh, especially since they suck at shooting. They're last in the league in free throws or something like that. Yeah. Um, so, if, yeah. If only they had, you know, somebody who lived in L.A. that knew about this stuff that could help them. Damn. I mean, it's the Lakers. They could they could literally hire whoever they want, right? Like, they don't just have to look just in L.A. I'm just saying, they could have 10 shooting coaches. Yeah. Right? They yeah. can afford it. And, and it just sucks to see them uh, kind of waste the development. Uh, it, I guys. agree. I agree. There's definitely a deficit there that they need to uh, they need to improve somehow and figure that out. Uh, and just I think just get more on the same page. I don't know if the development guys are on the same page with what you know that the head coach Luke is is doing and all those different things. So it seems like they're competing in a way that doesn't make sense. Uh, certainly compared to other teams that we've seen like the Spurs and even like the you know the Raptors who have who clearly can you know continue to develop these players and get better. If you've ever watched movies like Wolf of Wall Street and wondered what it would be like to invest your money then you've got to try an investing app called Robinhood that lets you buy and sell stocks, ETFs, options, and cryptos all commission-free. I've been using Robinhood for a little while. It's really intuitive and easy to understand, with tons of good information to help you make decisions on what to invest in. In just four taps, you can make a trade without a charge, unlike other brokerages that could charge you 10 bucks per trade. So you can keep all your profits. If you're not that familiar with the market, and trust me, I'm a novice, you can easily get started with Robinhood. And best of all, wait for it, Robinhood is giving away a free stock like Apple, Ford, or Sprint to help build your portfolio. Sign up at breakdown.robinhood.com so you can start. You'll get a free stock by signing up, so head on over to breakdown.robinhood.com. Let's go on to another question we have from Max Traden asks, in your opinion, who guards Harden the best right now and why? It was a really interesting question. I, I, I favored it from earlier because I wasn't even sure if I had the answer. But what do you think if we only limited to, this, to the players who are healthy this year? Dante Exum did a really good job last year in the playoffs. And uh, he didn't foul him a ton, which is great. Also, Dante Exum super long and, uh, and fast, and that helps. Um, Kawhi, you know, Manu. Yeah who's not in the league anymore, but maybe he'll come back for the playoffs just to guard James Harden, just to block him from behind. Um, But, you know, he's this version of James Harden, man. Like, I don't know, man. I don't know if anybody can guard him. I mean, we saw that stupid thing with Josh Hart last night with his hands behind his back. Just dumb. Yeah. Yeah. Um, You know, the the Spurs and the Warriors have managed to, to guard James Harden without sticking him on the line 20 times. It's not rocket science. I mean, Kavon Looney did a pretty good job, actually, on Harden last year in the playoffs. Stay, the, the trick is you, 
you know, Scotty Pippen said the way that he would guard him, he'd guard him 94 feet and all this stuff. And that's great for Scotty Pippen. Um, but in today's NBA, you guard a guy 94 feet. You are just, I'm not expecting you to be able to do anything on the offensive end. You're going to be worn out. Mm-hmm. So the way I would guard him is I would force him to his left because you want to take away that step back. And if he's going right, that's when he can hit a step back. But going to his left is a much harder shot to step back that way. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, you know, going to your left is harder to shoot as a lefty, right? Like, it's right. Just, you know, so I would I would actually force him left. you got to have good help, though. And, and this is where so many teams lack, you know, defense is bad in the league because so many teams don't have point of attack and help defense. So, like, if you're a team like the Warriors where you've got Draymond and you've got KD and you've got a guy like Steph Curry. So if Steph Curry gets switched on to Harden, he can run the scheme. He can force him left into the help, and, and then you can still seal off Capella for the lob. And that's what you got to do. You got to make the rest of the guys beat you and not Capella on lobs. You got to make P.J. Tucker shoot 15 threes. You got to have Gerald Green shoot 15 threes. That's how you do it. Well, that's interesting that you said that because I was just looking. I'm doing a video today about how you know the guard Harden. We're seeing some really interesting, unique ways of teams doing it. We saw the Nets run a two-three zone, uh, which ultimately, I guess, you can argue worked if you consider Spencer Dinwiddie t- detonating for the you know to get him back into that game. But um, here's something I noticed with the Lakers because they were doing some very uh, interesting things too. Is they were they were forcing him to his right. Letting him a, you know almost a straight line drive to the basket with a center waiting for him. But what I noticed that worked the best wasn't when like Contavious Caldwell Pope was on him. It was when Lonzo Ball was on him, who's got a really nice wingspan and is already six six. He's already a couple inches taller than uh, KCP. That I think seems to bother him the most. The Scottie Pippen type that you mentioned, the guy who's yeah. longer than him. So you can't. But they're really- rare. They're so rare. Uh, right. Well, I guess. I mean, you know, you're going to have to probably put this, your small forward on him, that kind of guy who's taller than him. So I think that's the best line of defense to begin with. It is curious, that the idea of forcing him to his left because that's a harder step back. Um, I, I don't mind the forcing him to his right because that means you're on his left hip, on his left shooting hip to contest that shot as well. So there, there's, a, I think you got to kind of mix it up. That's where he draws the fouls, though. See, that's where he, where he draws the fouls. Um you know, and I don't. I need to look at the at the tape again. But the truth is, man, like it's it's harder for a left-handed shooter to shoot going left. Period. Right. Same with the and right. Yeah. Exactly. And so, what you want to do is take that step back. Is so dangerous because how of how he uses it to draw fouls. Now he's also great at going to the basket. I mean, it's really tough. Like <laughs> Harden, hard. Harden, James Harden is really fucking good. That yeah. plain and simple. So. There is no easy way to do this. It's It's got to be a team approach. And this is where I brought up the Spurs and the Warriors because as a team, they just don't foul him as much. And even though, I mean, look at what he did against the Warriors a couple weeks ago, right? Like mm-hmm. even with the one of the better defensive teams against him, he still lit him up, including oh, yeah. hitting a game winner. <laughs> So there, there is some indication of looking at the splits between wins and losses. Because, again, like you said, I mean, the dude is – they play this crazy defense. It gets him out of sorts, whatever, and he still gets 45 points and eight rebounds and nine assists. It's insane. So it doesn't you – know, you're not stopping him. But if you look, there, there was some indication to me that, obviously, when his assist percentage goes up, they lose more. When it, that's the one big jump. So clearly that means getting it all out of his hands uh, or and making other people even get those open shots. That You're going to have to be happy with that versus him shooting it. So there seems to be something into that. And then um, I need to find the page where it has the free throw rate. But 
certainly. Uh, and then turnovers, there's a little indication there that maybe an increase in turnovers is related to losses as well. Um, but again, I, I just don't know how you can criticize or, or call a defense successful when he's doing what he's doing the last 14 games. Right. I mean, again, it's varying degrees of success. Right. Now, what I will say is, uh, if history is any judge, he's not going to be able to keep this up. Yes. Well, now what's going to stop that? Is he going to either a is he going to wear out or is he going to get hurt? I don't know, man. It's a lot. It's a lot of usage. Yeah. I, I worry about the injuries. I mean, he's just again James Harden, super stout, not just defensively, but in life. There it is. So uh, you know, if he can stay healthy, that's great. But man, I worry about him just being dead by the time we get to the playoffs. It's a lot of minutes. It's yeah. a lot of a lot of time with the ball in his hands. You speak as if you've seen this before. We may have seen it last year. We may have seen it the year before last. We might have. Just might have. So well, let's go to, uh, we have an interesting question here from Reem ODC. I'm supposed that's how you say it. How many games until both Boogie and Draymond get thrown out in the same game? LOL. It almost question. happened. Yeah. We almost got it. Well, uh, you, have, you have the threat of Draymond every game, right? So it's the only question now. <laughs> right. Boogie. Um, yeah, yeah. Interesting. Can I huh? talk about the stupid hanging on the rim technical foul? Yeah, okay, go for it. I'll give Listen. you two minutes. Okay, hold up. All right, so he got called. First of all, there was no way he, he could just let go of the rim after the dunk. We all agreed there, right? Uh, I mean, his legs were swinging. Like, he could have done it and hurt himself. Okay. Do you, does anyone care that he then did a pull-up and, and, and landed on his feet? Like, come on, man. This is not the NFL. Just let the guy live for a second. Even uh, if he, Let's say he didn't have to do it to stop his momentum. I just do not care. It's like when Paul George dunked and then hit the backboard after the dunk. Like, who cares? Yeah. I mean, who's he right. hurting? It, it is a throwback to, you know, another era uh, when, when probably, I suppose you could argue it's a racist era, right? When they wanted yes. to, like, you know. That's exactly it. When they brought in the stupid dress code and all that stuff. Oh, I'm but listen, like man. 60s and 70s. Hey, they, nobody's bringing guns to the locker room. No, but yeah, but, I mean, but that that rule is probably it's, it's got to be related to like you know back when they were trying to outlaw dunks in college, like th- that's that's when it was probably originally started. So, I I, I don't have a, you're right, I don't have a problem with it. I guess um, maybe yeah. in order to be a referee in the NBA, you should have had to dunk the ball once. Well, we wouldn't have many referees then. And maybe that's the right way to go. Right. Call your own. Yeah. Uh, interesting. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I, I think it, I think it is probably one of those rules that just should get, go away because certainly. Most of the time, it is because he can't quite land right. He needs to be able to see where he's landing and stuff like that. And yeah, I, I, you're right. At this point, did the NFL again? I don't like to even bring them up, but like they allow more of the celebrating after touchdowns now, don't they? They yeah, a little bit. I, here's my thing about taunting. Like taunting is like if you get in a guy's face and and you do something that might uh, trigger violence, that's a taunt. Okay, yeah. but like Draymond Green does that that flex thing where he doesn't actually flex which is really funny but he like does that flex thing and it's that's not a taunt right like we all agree that's not a taunt like okay. he gets away with that every time that's and not an issue does that. I mean, right, right. It's not it's not that new. so okay. pulling up on the basket is is basically the same thing like it's fine like just relax the, the league just needs to relax in general um you know i i think that the fans need to relax a little bit they don't like Draymond, so like they they talk about Draymond yelling at the referees. Man, who cares? I don't want the refs to dictate stuff. As long as Draymond doesn't go at the refs, and yeah. and by the way, he does from time to time. That's when he deserves a tech. Oh, okay, yeah. but when yeah, he's, he's 
But when he's yelling about stuff and walking the other way, like, I just don't care, man. Like, chill out. And, yeah. and, and again, this is the coach in me. Uh, my first eight games as a coach in, in Germany, I got uh, nine technical fouls. So, um, shame. Oh, it was, I was brutal, uh, including once like slamming a ball and then I kicked the ball once. It was rough. That was, that was me being highly emotional. I had to put it in check. But let's all just relax on, on calling for technical fouls. We're not the cops. We don't want cops on the court. We want to see these guys play basketball, so everybody relax. All right. So, okay, so we'll, we'll, you can get back on your lawn. And, uh, I, I mean, I, I agree. I feel like we could kind of tone down that, those calls because it's not, uh, not that worth it. Coach Popovich works in a pretty stressful environment, as do all NBA coaches. And if you saw pictures of him in his early 30s, you'd have seen a nice full head of hair. Unfortunately, most of that hair is gone as is the case for 66% of men by age 35. But that doesn't have to happen to you. If you still have the hair up there, then you should do everything you can to keep it. And that's where Hims comes in, a one-stop shop for hair loss, skin care, and sexual wellness for men. They have medical-grade solutions to treat hair loss and make it so easy you don't even have to sit in a waiting room. Just answer a few quick questions online, and they deliver their products right to your door. If you click on forhims.com slash Coach Nick right now, you'll receive a trial month of hymns for just $5 while supplies last. This would cost hundreds of dollars if you went to the doctor or a pharmacy. That's F-O-R-H-I-M-S dot com slash Coach Nick and see website for full details. Now, I did just do a quick uh, look at the numbers on NBA Wowie. Uh, when Chris Paul and James Harden were on the court together this year, the net rating is negative 2.2. So I suppose you're right. It wasn't good, certainly compared to what it was. I think last year was it was much better. So uh, they Are you surprised? Are you surprised? Come on. I, I'm not surprised. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's not like it's negative 9 and it was a complete disaster. But, yes, there, there's cl- clearly uh, – and I, it's got to be – it had to be plus 6, plus 7 last year, I, I would imagine. So it's like, okay, I get it. So let's, um, let's talk a little bit from Drizzy DeArius asks us, who are your all front-runner MVPs? I have Harden. What is he doing? What he is doing is historical. Uh, anybody else for MVP? Because we kind of just talked about Harden. Giannis. Giannis is still there, huh? Yeah, yeah. I mean, he, he top five. Uh, I think they have the number one defense and the number four offense. Okay. And is he – yeah, and I suppose he's an integral part of the defensive part. But even still, even if he wasn't, it's the, the – his, his numbers are hey, – They're insane. They're insane. And, and if we're only looking at numbers, Anthony Davis would be up there. So – it's one of these things where if they had like a most outstanding player where it didn't it didn't matter whether your team was successful or not, it probably would be Anthony Davis. He's actually putting up a season right now that uh, is unparalleled. Sean Hyken actually wrote about this for for Bleacher Report, and uh, it's something that he and I had discussed. Um, it's like 28 points, 13 rebounds, uh, four assists, two blocks, and a steal and a half has never been done before in the right. league, ever. Well, for that said, you know, calling up Giannis's numbers, he's right there, 26.4 points. On a team uh, that's winning. Yeah, 12.5 rebounds, six assists, so he's getting a lot more there, 1.4 steals, and then 1.5 blocks. So, you know, it, it's right there, and I think you're right. As far as the the wins have to come back into the into the, the conversation. I know when Russ won it, it sort of kind of put a backseat because he was such a, you know, Not to me. season. 
You not remember, to not yeah. to me, Kawhi Leonard was my pick for MVP right. that year. But I, I would, I demand we need to get back to like looking at the records too. And if you're leading your team to the win, to wins like, like Giannis is. So, uh, absolutely. But I do think Harden's yeah. right there. I, I mean, this yeah. run he's been on, I, you know, I treat it like a, like a race, right? Like a real race. And Giannis was just out here, but he's been so steady. And Harden is coming up fast. You know, um, if he can keep this kind of, I don't know how he could do it. But if he averages 35 points a game and they're a top four seed, I don't see how he doesn't win it because he has no help. None. Yeah. For the top four seed, for sure. I mean, and by the way, remember, they were playing horribly until the the CP3 went down and he had to take over. And they've been, uh, I think they have the third best record since in the last like 14, 15 games. So that's that's all him. Yeah. Yeah. And nobody wants to play him now. I mean, again, it's it's not, it's recipe for disaster in the playoffs because he's going to, you know, be completely worn out. And playoff teams are going to have guys that are long that can play him and they could, you know, and with the video I'm going to drop today, they're going to have a nice blueprint, uh, at least how to wear him out. You know, again, again, it's just like the Jordan thing. You know, if he gets his 40, okay, but if he's a little inefficient and he's had to work really hard and you can kind of sting him on the defensive end too a little bit, uh, then then that's your shot to win it. But, man, it's still going to be razor close in those games. I, I don't think they're going to – the Rockets, even if he's worn out like we're, th- we're fearing, they're still going to be a tough team and tough team to get him out. Right, and it, the key for the Rockets is just to have him guard fours so he can chill. Yeah. Yeah, and then not have a four like Giannis. Yeah, you can't you can't post him up, right? He can't guard Giannis. Okay, all right, right. He can guard some fours though, but they don't have to really worry about that. Certainly until you know the finals if that happens. So yeah, yeah, uh, which they're not making. So uh, right. So yeah, let's see here if any other questions. Do you see anything while we're going through here? Uh, let's see. Uh, Adam Karaja asks: Are the Lakers actually good when when fully healthy? Um, no, they have LeBron, right? Like. LeBron is the ultimate rising tide. So sure, I guess as a team, they're they're fine once LeBron's out there. But right. you take LeBron off and it's a lottery team. Like we saw it. Like yes. that's it. Well, okay. So I mean, listen, but they they were tough. They they won that OKC game with a crappy call at the end that almost cost them the game. And they they went and they they were tough in overtime on the road. That's a big win for them without LeBron. Sure. So let's not, you know, let's not. Well, OKC that. had been OKC had been scuffling, right? Uh, yeah, they're, they're a lottery team without LeBron. I don't, I don't think there's any question about it. Okay. I mean, yeah, they don't make the playoffs, but with LeBron fourth, probably right. Like that's the other thing. It's kind of weird. Fourth like, or fifth in there. Yeah. yeah. I mean, so they're better. And, and this is, again, this is me discounting LeBron before the season, which I should know better by now, but I thought they were going to be somewhere in that five to nine range. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think they're, they're pretty clearly at the top of that five to nine range. So four or five. Okay. Um, I also didn't expect Utah to, to have such a rough start to the season or yeah. Houston to be that bad to start right. the season. And by, um, the way, by the Houston, way, Utah, yeah. Utah is about to yeah. hit the easiest schedule in the league. They had the hardest schedule for the first half and for the rest of the way, they've got the easiest schedule. Yeah. They're already climbing their way up. Uh, oh, so yeah. yeah. So watch out for Utah cause they still might sneak back up into the, into the four top four seat. Sure. Utah right now is the seventh seed. So that's really great. They were able to do it what they did in the last, uh, they were eight and two in the last 10. So they're really, yeah, for sure, putting some things together. And that's the thing we have to, you know, I don't think people put enough uh, weight on it was their strength of schedule, which perhaps, you know, until we got enough uh, games in, we didn't re- realize what that, how hard it was going to be for them. And here they are. So uh, I, will, I will throw this out there. I was looking at some stats and some uh, lineup data. And I came across, uh, looking at the top, uh, here it is. Where is it? Oh, my goodness, I lost my tab. But I came across, I was looking at the top uh, lineups. 
And um, basically, I was looking at the five-man lineup, you know, minimum 250 minutes. And of the top, you know, five or seven, two of them are on OKC. And, like, they're significantly, you know, big numbers. Uh, I find that fascinating that they're not better. The record isn't even better than what it should be based on that. And I'll just quickly tell you what it is. It's um, the, they have the fourth best uh, five-man lineup at le- plus 11.8 in net rating. And then if you scroll down a little bit farther, you have uh, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth, tenth. Sorry, the 11th best at plus 4.3. I don't, no other team has two of the five-man lineups. What's, uh, their, what's the lineup that's fourth? Uh, the fourth one is Stephen Adams, Terrence Ferguson, Paul George, Jeremy Grant, and Russell Westbrook. So that's Ferguson's starting, right? That's their starting. Yeah, game. yeah, and he's been great. Yeah, wow, he's been good. First right. of all, just a gr- really good athlete, defends hard, but he's shooting well too, and that's been huge for them. I mean, they're going to have a serious, you know, question internally when they bring back Robertson, mm-hmm. whether or not they're going to remove Ferguson from the starting lineup. Yeah, um, that's an interesting question because they have something going that's really it's destroying teams. Like that's a you know, that you know that's a fourth plus the uh, fourth best plus, uh, net rating. Uh, by the way, when you replace Ferguson with um, Schroeder, then it, that's that next lineup uh, that is still positive. What's interesting to me also, and I don't know if people really recognize this, is when you're looking at the heavy minutes played. There's not, there's not a ton of five man lineups that have played that many minutes, but there's just not a lot that are in the positive territory. It's interesting. Yeah. Um, you know, it's just it's a grind, man, <laughs> to find those lineups. I think the coaches are struggling every. That's probably their biggest <laughs> thing, wouldn't you say? Is is the alchemy of five man lineups and wh- who plays best with who? I don't think that. I think there might be seasons where where coaches just never figure it out. Yeah, I mean we've we've seen that before, and, and you know we always preach about why don't you stagger? Why don't you stagger? And then we see teams stagger and and they suffer for it, you know. So yeah, um, sometimes you just need that that puncher's lineup. And if you can find it, you stick with it. And, and that's why we'll get like KD and Steph Curry on the bench together at the same time. Yes, you know? absolutely right. Kerr, then, Kerr yeah. clearly is 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 looking for the the knockout lineup. Right. Well, we'll see how that works out. But let's do a let's finish up a lightning round of questions to get through some of the ones we haven't backed up in the queue here on uh, Periscope. So what do you say? Like 10 second answers? Let's do it. All right. Thoughts on Trey Young. Trey Young's great. Okay. Love his vision. He's on his yep. way. He's young. Yep. And he's shooting much better since like mid-December. So right. uh, but, everyone I, who failed on him early. Really? But he's mistake. really cut it down. He's not shooting a lot, right? If my, if my memory is Yeah. Right. He was struggling off the dribble. I, he, listen, the guy's going to be really good. I, I think he's going to be an all-star level player. There, okay. there you go. Yeah. All right. Well, how about this? Do teams hack Lonzo? They should. Okay. He's scared. He's scared of contact. Uh, put him on the line. I mean, rightfully so. He sucks at the free throw line. Uh, yeah, that is certainly true, and he needs help and all that work. I, and by the way, same for Ben Simmons. That that's going to start happening too. I think in, you know in the we've already seen it. Yeah. Oh, right. LeBron or Jordan? I don't want to get into that. No, that's but not Jordan. Second answer. Yeah, but Jordan. Right, Jordan. I've already I did that video. Uh, what's up with Dave's beard? What do you mean? What's up with my beard? It's magnificent. Yeah, it's where I get my powers. Who who do you guys have uh, as a second? By the way, it, uh, next time I interview Harden. I'm going to ask him if that's the source of his powers. I, I really am. So stay tuned for my that. beard is the source of James Harden's power. Yes, you're you heard too. it here first. How do you guys have? Who do you guys have as the second best player in the league? Harden, Steph, Durant, or Kawhi? Well, wait. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's tricky. Because loaded question. Who is I this? think I think Steph Curry is the best player in the league. So, but so obviously he's indicating to, to that LeBron is the best player in the league. Yeah, I, I know what he's indicating, but right. I think Steph Curry is the best player in the league. 
Yeah, I so. think it's funny when Seth was out. It didn't. It seemed kind of. It really, there, it's just. It's not even measurable, right? Like in a number, it's just what it is. You have to watch, and you like you have to know what it looks like with and without him, and it's just a different thing. Yes. Can the fans complain about uncompetitive All Star games when their voting makes it an exhibition? Interesting question. I, I don't know. I, I don't even understand why anybody cares if an All Star game is competitive. I, I, for me, it should just be like, oh, does it look like these guys are having fun? Uh, I think they should mic everyone up the whole time and have an alternate feed, right? Like, like let's let's make it even more of an exhibition. Okay, I I don't even understand how the, the process works anymore. So I can't even figure it out about the voting and then the coaches and then this and that and they're they're still doing the thing where they pick a team right after the first the captain or whatever. Does that work? Yeah, they're and they're going to televise it this year, which you know, yeah, whatever. Okay, so it's hard it's know. hard to care because I just don't want guys to get hurt. That's all I care about. Like right. Can the guys get the time off and come out of it un, like uninjured? That's all I care about. Right. Uh, and also, I mean, they've had this problem for a long time. I remember going to the 87 All-Star Game in Chicago, or 88, 87, 88, one of those. And, uh, but it was fun. It, it was a spectacle, and it was fun. But they, I have to say, they might have played a little bit harder in, in that. Like, it might have, been, it might have resembled more of a, of, a, of a proper game than it does now. I, I think that's, even, that's not even debatable, but still. Let's move on. Another question here. Hey, Coach, do you think the Nuggets are capable of making a deep playoff push? Interesting question. Is there a 10-second answer to that? I mean, yes. <laughs> there's the answer. I think that they are. I mean, the defense is, is so improved and we know what the offense can do. And I think this is a team that could easily uh, make the conference finals and, and is probably guaranteed this, at least the second round. Um, mm-hmm. I would love to see them in the warriors in the conference finals. I think it'd yeah. be fun. I just think that they, I need to see them completely healthy. I want to see Will Barton, even Isaiah Thomas out there and then, and uh, Gary Harris. I don't want to see Isaiah Thomas out there. I, I mean, Listen, uh, what they do, I think Monte Morris is so good. I don't want to see him lose any minutes. Okay. And by the way, uh, he Isaiah does what Will Barton does, and so I don't know how that works anyway. It, also, Will probably. Barton is probably better at it. Like, he was their best passer all of last season. Like, he oh. was more more instrumental. Whoa, 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 uh, whoa. Aside from Jokic, hang on. Okay. So, aside from Jokic, more of more of the playmaking responsibilities fell on Will Barton than anyone else. Fair enough, fair enough. You've been waiting for me too long, Dave. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right, let's see. How about one last question? What's up with the Spurs and how well they have been playing? Well, I mean, we, if you look at the numbers, it's the net rating for – or sorry, the offensive and defensive ratings have just uh, skyrocketed. I need to check, but I have to imagine the Spurs also have the same schedule thing that the, the Jazz went through. Is that? Do you know if that's right or not? Um, no, I mean, their schedule hasn't really been easier. Um, since December 1st, they've been the number one offense and like the number six defense or something like that. And, and it's because they're shooting the lights out mm-hmm. and they're defending well, which we expect every pop team to defend well. And it took them a while to kind of figure it out. Um, but the offense is, I mean, it's what they do, right? They hunt great, not good. Right. So they, they pass up good for great. Um, but they're shooting like 43% or something like that from three. It's just insane. I mean, what yeah. they've been doing is is nuts. And if you haven't seen the video I did a couple days ago, I did a like a love letter to Greg Popovich in the style of a Civil War uh, Ken Burns documentary. And first of all, I just want to say I was blown away by the response because I didn't think anybody was going to get it. It's you know, and when you see it, Dave, you'll know what I mean. I did the old looking uh, footage and I'm Ken Burns. Yeah, I'm reading it in the, like a letter from the front. And uh, but but the, but I did have some good stats in there. And the part of the point with uh, the Spurs are they were uh, number one in three point percentage, but number number 30 in three-point frequency. And I have to think that we're going to start to see more teams focus on that. Now, the Pelicans are in the same boat. 
Um, and one other team, which I'm forgetting right now, uh, is oh, the Clippers. Clippers. Are all low-frequency uh, three-pointers, but then shooting well and then have a top-10 offense because of it. So right. it's, and it's such a strong argument, I think. It's, they are the example that I cite when people worry about you know, the Rockets shooting 73s you know, um, in a game. Seventy and sixty-eight in the last week, right? Yeah. Uh, but the hunting great instead of just taking good shots, hunting the great three—that's right. the next evolution of the three-point shooting. It is to is to cut out all the the garbage contested long long twos. Right now, people are just taking contested threes, but soon enough, you're going to see teams actually hunt the open look, right? And, and take an extra beat, right? Like, and, and not worry so much about having a high pace. I would argue that the, the way the Rockets run their offense, though, a lot of the time doesn't really permit them to hunt good threes because oh, no, it's absolutely. stagnant. Yeah. And when you watch the that's, – that's probably a good video to compare the Rockets. And by the way, the Rockets will do it sometimes. We'll get some pistol action, some handoffs into some screens, and that's all – they'll get it. It looks great, but they don't do it a lot. And uh, when you watch the, the, the Spurs, and I mean, they have their, their versions of ISOs as well, but, man, when they're getting movement like that, five fingers on a hand all together, yeah. uh, th- those are the shots they're getting that are and, great. You know. And by, by the way – Even the contested shots they'll get that are threes – are not necessarily like those are not the bad contested shots we're right. talking about because they're the kind that they clearly are practicing over and over again and they can make those. And DeMar DeRozan has been incredible this year. It's his best season in the NBA. Playmaking, rebounding, and every single way his scoring is down, whatever. Uh, every other part of his game has been better than it's ever been, including on the defensive end. He's been fantastic. Okay, last question then, really quick. Can they make can they make a run? Uh to the finals, no. And, and, and I think that, you know, eventually, you know, their talent just kind of tops out at a certain point, but I think they could probably win a playoff series. I mean, if they're, if they're the fourth seed, I think they could definitely win a, a playoff series. Okay. Well, I'm thinking maybe they get to the third seed. They keep playing this way. We'll see. I mean, if OKC is going to continue to struggle and if, uh, you know, if the Rockets are, are going to struggle without Capella and, and if the Lakers can't get healthy and I mean, there's a lot of ifs, right? right. Um, I, the only yeah. team I really care about right now, Making the play, I, we need the Sacramento Kings to be the eighth seed. That's all I want. NBA, please just rig it. <laughs> I want Warriors Kings in the first round. And yes, it'll only be five games, but it will be so much fun. Yeah, that is the only series I care about. Okay. Give me that series. That's I, it. I, well, I think there's no question the Kings deserve a little bit of success here, as as you know how long it's been and and what they have. Bogdanovich is my, on my favorite players list, which He's is another awesome. video coming up. Uh, and then also a video. I don't you think we should do a video on? I should do a video on Heald and uh, Fox as like a, as a backcourt yeah. for yeah. the future, absolutely for the present. Well, absolutely. Buddy yeah. Heald is almost my age, so. <laughs> oh yeah, right. Well, you know that's what happens when you can uh, when you can play four years in college, I guess. So, well, Dave. Uh, a real pleasure. Thank you for coming back on the yeah, show and joining I'm us. I'm glad I finally had some time. Yeah, been I too busy. You. Yeah, yeah well, do you want to tell everybody why you've been so busy? Well, so I'm I'm uh, with Count the Dings, as most of you guys probably know. I'm I'm hosting the Daily Ding a couple nights a week and uh, host the Nerder She Wrote podcast uh, on on Count the Dings. Do you ever talk about basketball? There's a little basketball on those shows, right? On my show, on on the Thursday show, it's basketball. Okay. Now the Tuesday show. Who knows what we're talking about? I mean, it, we often we try to take it back to basketball, but uh, you know, sometimes we're talking. I'm sure we're going to talk about the Fire Festival this Tuesday. So, because okay, I don't know if you've seen those documentaries, but uh, I've seen tweets about people watching it. I don't I still. I don't even know what the fire. I don't festival know how is. Ja Rule isn't in jail. Like, how is Ja Rule? How is that man free? 
I don't. I, I, okay. Well, I guess I'll have to find out what you're, what the hell you're talking about. I did go to the live show when it was in L.A. Though, and I have to say, I was ill prepared for what I was, what I witnessed. But it was uh, very entertaining. Lots of energy. <laughs> Um, I, I, you know, if you're not one of the, you know what it feels like? It's kind of a competition for a ding, right? So if you, it's like a one-on-one on one-on-one on one. <laughs> it, and, it definitely can get that way. Uh, the live show, right? Like yeah. the, the alcohol was flowing. So, yeah. so yeah. it was interesting. So anyway, well, Dave, thank you for coming back. Uh, everybody else out there in the live show. Thanks for joining us on Periscope, a really robust crowd out there for a mid Monday, Martin Luther King day, uh, vacation day for everybody. Uh, and great stuff will be up uh, as a podcast tomorrow. And, uh, don't forget sports fans at B-Ball Breakdown. We're not a channel. We're a conversation. You win. Are you in Dave? Yes, I am.